Hello again, and welcome back to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. This week, we're back for a final episode with IMD's Cyril Bouquet. Cyril is a professor of strategy and innovation and specializes in helping organizations and executives tackle complex challenges in creative ways. Welcome, Cyril, one last time. Hi, John. It's great to have you here. And I was really struck in episode three about the level of importance that training and these mega dive approach can have for businesses, whether that be engaging with their staff in a difficult labor market, whether that be you know, the importance of developing ideas at the executive level and, uh, you know, the, the need for humility for certain CEOs, whether they be CEOs, CTOs, COOs, to have that level of, of humility uh, to develop their ideas. In this final episode with you, Cyril, on Megadive, I wanted to talk about the future of Megadive. This is our grand look ahead, what we want to uh, see in uh, the future with this concept and also touch upon some of the IND resources that can help them deal with upcoming challenges. But I want to start with the process. Is Megadive something that you can implement as an ongoing repeatable process, or is it something that you do once and see the effects for years to come without having that iterate within the business? You know, it's, it's interesting that, that you ask about this because one of the key challenges for companies is, of course, how can we make sure that whatever we do on the IMD campus or whenever we engage with, with IMD faculty is not going to be limited to this one particular episode or set of interactions, but that it can be brought back to the organization and, and be conducted in a more sustained way, in, embarking potentially an even broader group of, of people. And that's really what the um, responsibility of, of people who've participated to our programs need to sort of embrace, right? Is that we give them the mindset, we've given them the ways of working, can they actually bring that back home and, and sort of carry forward the methods and sort of embark the rest of the organization that maybe was not part of that particular process into similar types of, of dialogues, conversations, and, and, and initiatives. So, so, of course, the problem with the Megadive is that it requires, again, more of a systemic orchestration where you're trying to to create, again, the space and, and the possibility for multiple groups of people to converse. And then you have to find ways to sort of combine those views into, into a shared agenda. And so it requires often uh, outside facilitation. It's not something that can be immediately sort of orchestrated by the organization, you know, without help, if you, if you will. But certainly the mindset and the, uh, the ways of working can be transferred and can be applied. And, and that's what we observe, right? is that people go back somehow different, right? They go back with a level of energy, but also with a, with a desire and an eagerness to create those collective conversations, to tap into the knowledge and, and the perspectives of colleagues who may be located in different functions, in different countries, in different parts of the organization. And somehow, you know, they are convinced that creating the, the future requires this diversity of thoughts and, and requires this capacity to sort of combine views and create something something new and something interesting that, that they want to, to, to tackle for how they approach uh, complex problems in their in their own environment. So so yes, you know, it is at least partially repeatable process and transferable to different parts of, of the company after they've engaged uh, with IMD. You talk about how people come back from the mega dive changed or they've changed their approach. Does the mega dive itself change? Is the mega dive itself changed by engaging with companies? Have you developed this and is it developing? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's not one way to do the Mega Drive. It is often the result of a design process whereby we at IMD sort of have multiple conversations with client organizations to essentially find the way to engage the organization that is going to be the most meaningful, but also the most appropriate given the particular context and given the particular time frame and, and, and budget of the organization. Organization sometimes comes with, with the idea that they can just uh, organize a, a mega dive day and I try to get them away from that thought that you cannot build a future in a day, that it has to be a journey. But the journey itself is going to, to, to vary and how much of, of the work occurs face-to-face, um, -face, how much of the, the work occurs through online channels, how many people participate into this process, how do we prompt their views about the future, how do we collect their inputs, all of this vary, right? And so we can use uh, online channels, we can use face-to-face -face channels. There's a lot of things that technology can help us to do today that was not possible a few years ago. And so, and so indeed, it is always evolving as a result of how much we understand about the organization and, and how much we understand about the new technologies that are emerging as well. So you're talking there about change, you're talking about technology. We've already spoken in episode three about you know, the current state of affairs you know, across the Western world, the business world at the moment. Do you see with everything that has happened in 2022 and that will happen in your eyes in 2023 and beyond, this kind of approach, the mega dive approach, becoming more or less important to businesses of tomorrow? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to become more important. And indeed, not just to the world of business, but to, to organizations, any form of organization in general. So whether you're working for a government, whether you're working for a commercial organization, wh whether you're working for an NGO that is trying to mobilize different sets of constituencies, I, I think the problems that we face today are so complex in nature. They require so many different types of, of inputs not only to define in precise way the nature of the problem that we're solving right, as, as a community, right, but, but also the range of solutions that could potentially be envisioned to, to tackle this problem in, in new ways require very sort of holistic conversations, if you will, bef between different sets of, of actors. And I just want to take the example of, of the French president, Emmanuel Macron, who a couple of years ago, in fact, it was more than a couple of years ago now because it was before the, the COVID crisis, but when he faced the strong reaction from the yellow jackets you know, in France that somehow were convinced that you know, there were huge problems that were not being dealt with by the, by the French government, well, Emmanuel Macron essentially decided again to, to bring a voice right, to, the, to the people throughout the country and he organized what he called the Grand Débat National, this big national debate where every person right, that lived in France or, or abroad that was a French citizen could participate in conversations around defining the problems that they believed France faced right, in the current world, but also then the kind of solutions that made sense. So, of course, people could sort of join online forums where they could converse and simply talk in, in plain language about the problems that they identified in their local environment and, and why those problems were significant and, and, and somehow needed to be dealt with. But they could also go to town hall meetings, right, and, and voice those same concerns. And where the technology helped is that you were able, right, to sort of collect all those different point of views from millions of, of people and then identify patterns, right? Artificial intelligence algorithms are there to essentially group 
right, certain types of, of inputs, and then identify right, the common themes right, that were then sort of processed by the French government to say, well, you know, the whole society has spoken, and here are the issues that we need to be able to address right, into the future. And then not only you can use machines, you can use AI to sort of process these huge sets of, of information in terms of identifying problems, but you can also use the same techniques to sort of let solutions emerge. And that's where I think is interesting, is how can we sort of expand again the scale of, of the Megadive to not simply run it among a group of people at, at IMD, you know, we've, we've done it with 600, 650 people representing different types of, of, of leadership positions, if you will, inside big companies. But could we actually organize the same kind of, of conversations with the whole of the organization, right? Every single employee, whether you're, you're working in a leadership position or you're working in a factory or you're working in a train station or you're working in a shop, right? Facing real customers could actually participate, right? To discussions that involve, again, identifying the most important problems that we face as a business, but also the kind of solutions that make sense. Can we tap into the knowledge of the mass of the people who actually make up right, the, the strength of this organization and again create this kind of energy that did not exist in, in the past. Right? And that, I, I think, is the future of the Megadive, is, is broader scale, facilitated by, by technology, but technology will never replace, again, the face-to-face -face interaction. So it's always about both. People need to have venues where they can sort of get together with other people and debate their views about the future, but they can also do that through online channels. And I think it's always going to be a combination of both that can help out. And, you know, I think that's a really interesting example, Macron with the yellow jackets. The way I think it links in, though, I wanted to ask about was the willingness of people within business to bring it back uh, to the companies you work with, to be open. I think th with the yellow jackets, it was clear that there were a lot of people who were very willing to go and come out in the streets. And I think uh, France has a long and proud tradition of people being happy to come out and voice their, their discontent with the way things are going in successive governments throughout, throughout uh, French history. What I'm interested in is wondering, how does a facilitator create that environment where employees feel comfortable to come out and voice their concerns? And is it the job of the facilitator to try and keep things positive, you know, not just voicing a concern, but giving an avenue for finding a solution? Or does that come later? Are they separated out? No, it comes very much from, uh, from, from the beginning, right? This, this openness, this humility has to, to be perceived as, as very genuine from the start, right? If people go into a process where they believe that somehow it, it's all theater, right? Like, yeah, sure, you know, the top management team uh, wants us to, to chat and they want to create the impression that our voices matter. But really, they, they don't care about those same voices then the whole process is, is, is destroyed, right? Before it even starts, right? So this humility has to be perceived as, as being genuine and that people are interested in our views because they don't have the answers, right, at the top. So they want to reach out. They want to make sure that the whole of the organization can come together and contribute a view to the future. And so this is the job of the facilitator, but I guess the facilitator will not engage in that process if they feel that that sincerity, that humility is not genuine at the start, right? So at IMD, our motto stands for we are learning, we are impact, but we also want to help organizations develop people that can make a difference 
to the business and, and to the so societies in which they, they operate. And, and so we are not in the, in the business of running theater plays, right? <laughs> and so for us, you know, it's also very important to put in place this process if we believe that this um, humility that we've talked about exists and that uh, there is this eagerness to engage the organization into conversations that are meaningful and, and that matter. And, and sometimes, you know, John, what people do is that they realize that there are issues that can be dealt with by the top management team and the top management team alone. And, and, and then there are issues where we actually want to engage the whole of the organization. And we make that clear in, in very crisp terms, right, at the start. And then the rules of, of the game are, are accepted, right? Okay, well, you know, the, the top management team is, is going to do their, their own process, right, to decide on, on a certain set of issues. But there are issues where they actually fundamentally believe that we collectively have the capacity to address those in, in new ways. And then when the rules are clear from the start, then people are willing to engage, and then they are willing to adopt and, and embrace right, the views that are being developed as a result, right? Because they know that essentially, at the start, that was a contract. That was a contract that was created with, with, with people, and that must be respected. And then, of course, when you realize the beauty of the views that are developed through these kinds of processes, then why would not you want to embrace those views? There's always difficulties. There's always a, a certain degree of, of skepticism that might exist also from, from some parties, but the results speak for themselves. You, you, can, you can see the quality of the ideas that are being developed. You can feel the energy of the organization pushing those ideas and presenting those ideas, and then it would be, um, it would be a shame to not sort of utilize that full potential that, that was unlocked. So, Cyril, I wanted to end on one last question about how companies can engage with these resources at IMD, organizations can engage with these resources at IMD. You know, you've spoken about a few examples, uh, EDF being the main one in episode one and two, we've spoken about of a company which you've helped with this process, you've been the facilitator for this process. Could you tell me a little bit about how companies have come to you in the past, how you've engaged with them, how they can get the ball rolling with IMD to start a mega dive in their own company, what would they do? And how does that initial conversation go? So companies have come to IMD again for different reasons, right? The example that we've talked about in, in the first couple of episodes was was, was SNCF and, and they were going through a very significant moment in their history where, you know, again, two companies were combining their, their strengths. They were in this sort of period of, of a merger and they needed to build a, a new company for the future. But then other companies heard about this, right? And so EDF, the, the French Electricity uh, de France, the, the French utility provider, is essentially heard about the, the process that, that SNCF went through and then, and then they wanted to essentially facilitate a similar type of process in, in their own companies. And then, you know, we have other companies that, that again, were realizing that the ways they've behaved in, in the past was, was perfectly fine and it helped to create huge results for the future, but maybe, again, that formula for success had to evolve. And so they came, they came to IMD with, with this open mind help us build the company of the future. And here I'm thinking about Stora Enso, the Swedish pulp and paper company that realized that somehow they, they had to innovate in, in very, very big ways. Otherwise, their whole future would be at stake. And they chose the, the Megadive to be able to rethink entirely the, the paradigm that had characterized their history uh, up to that point. And they did it very, very successfully. 
So companies come to IMD because they fear that now is the time to begin new conversations in the business. And again, they are motivated by different types of, of circumstances. But we're often here to have those conversations with them, to, to listen to their need, figure out you know, why do they want to, to mobilize now the organization into new type of conversations? How can we do it together? And at IMD, we believe in co-creation. right? So we are not going to sell uh, a particular approach uh, based on, on what we've done in the past. We'll, we'll discuss, we'll figure out together what is the need and what is the, the, the best approach. But of course, there is a, a mindset, th there are ways of working that, that we can try to bring to the company, but we'll do that together. Cyril, I think that is a fantastic place to stop doing it together and an excellent thing to think about going into this new year. So I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on to Management Cast for this fourth episode. Thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure to, to talk with you and, and, and hopefully uh, create some, some energy for the listeners as well. And as a reminder to our listeners, Cyril Bouquet is a professor of strategy and innovation at IMD's campus in Lausanne. As an award-winning researcher, teacher, and consultant, he's worked with clients including Nestle, L'Oreal, and the Olympic Committee to deliver change and progress. Thank you so much for listening in. See you next time.